Is that amazing? Keep that in mind uh, when we start the message this morning and throughout that whole time that His love truly never changes. It cannot change. It will not change towards you. Most of you guys know me and my wife were gone last week. Um, We were celebrating our 33rd year of marriage. Can you believe that? I know some of you guys are thinking, when did you guys get married? At 15? Because we look so young? (laughs) Pray for my wife, man, to think that for 33 years she's had to put up with me. A lot, yeah, yeah, thank you. <laughs> Amen. She, I know she prays for my wife, too. But uh, it's just been amazing, you know, uh, for, for you people that have been married that long. It goes by that quick, really, huh? And for some of you youngsters, man, it goes by that quick. So enjoy your time together, because pretty soon you'll be this old. And uh, <laughs> But we just had a blast to get away, and I, I just praise God for my wife, man. She is something else. Um, Another thing, man, yesterday, if you were not here um, for the kids' harvest, it was off the hook. If you don't know what that means, it means it was off the chain. (laughs) And if you don't know what that means, it was thinking amazing. (laughs) That's all I can say. It was amazing. We had so many people come through. Everybody that was involved was unbelievable. Um, Bill and Kathy Goodman, the our children's directors, they are so, such a blessing to us. They have just been unbelievable. Um, continue to pray for them and for that ministry because it's just like busting at the seams back there. And, uh, but, but the thing that they're putting together, I was talking to them afterwards and they were just blown away by all the help that came out to just serve and to minister to our community. We just had so many kids coming through and stuff we had a puppet show there was three different puppet shows that they did yesterday and um and so when the kids were being called to come by the third one because they'd break them up uh, they'd give them like five minutes and five minutes we're going to have a puppet show so you know the booths are going to shut shut down and on the third one i remember as they were saying okay it's time for the puppet show i just seen like four kids running <laughs> running towards the puppets and i'm thinking they're puppets Kids aren't used to puppets, man. They're used to doing this, you know, and they were just amazed. And the the gospel went out and one little girl, precious little girl from our church, she accepted the Lord that day, you know, and I was just like, yes. And I don't know who else, but man, oh man, it was just amazing. So continue to pray for just those who were just on the grounds here, man, that God would just be touching them, ministering to them even today. Amen. What I want you to do as we, we're going to start, let's just take a moment of quiet prayer. Just pray for you. Pray that God ministers to your heart through this message. Pray for those who may be here who don't know him, that know Jesus, that, that God would penetrate their hearts as well. And pray for me that I would do it justice. Let's just take a moment of quiet prayer. Bless your word, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. A couple of weeks ago, we got started in the book of 1 Peter. You can make your way over to 1 Peter if you like. But we got to know 
a little bit about Peter in the introduction. As we got started, most of, most of that study was an introduction uh, about the book of Peter, but mostly Peter himself. And um, I, I've, I've known Peter for about 30 years now, at least 30 years. I've gotten to know him just because of, of who he is in here. And, and my heart is that you would get to know him if you don't know him already. Many of you guys already know him because you've studied and, and you, you've learned about Peter. And, and this is what I like about Peter. Most of us, if not all of us, we can relate to Peter. We can relate to Peter because he messed up so many times and the Lord still kept him around. We can relate to him because he, he said things and did things that, that we, it makes us feel good. It's like, man, if Peter did it, then, then I'm okay. Um, and so I, I think just getting to know Peter, um, getting to know the letters here, hopefully you will get to know his heart even more so. Like I mentioned last time, the Peter that wrote First and Second Peter and the Peter from the Gospel are two different men. Totally two different men. Something changed within Peter. When, when, when he was restored after the resurrection, when, when he had messed up so royally before that, and, and, and he gets restored by Jesus, and then we see him in the book of Acts and the Holy Spirit coming upon him and filling him, something changed. And that man was never the same after that. And that's my heart for you this morning. That, that, that if you claim to be a Christian, that you, you, you say, oh no, I, I, I know Jesus, that you would know Him intimately and that you will never be the same because of that. Because something has changed in you. You've been restored yourself. In other words, what we see in Peter first is that we saw an immature but kind of growing Peter in the Gospels. And then we see a mature and steadfast man in his letters. And again, that is my prayer, that you would continue to grow for sure, but that you would mature and that you would stand fast in the faith and not be moved with everything that goes on in our lives, that, that, that you would mature in your heart and that things would change in your life because you've been filled. I think Peter, I, I, I look at Peter as, as one who kind of was like raised in the church. Different from, from Paul or, or James that we've studied. Paul and, and James didn't walk with the Lord when Jesus was on, 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 on the earth. Although James was his half-brother, he did not believe in him until after the resurrection. But in all that time frame, even though Jesus would come and, and be there, but when he got into ministry, Jesus wasn't always around his family. But Peter was. Peter walked with him. Peter knew him. Peter saw Jesus do his thing. <laughs> and it wasn't until after the resurrection that it clicked for Peter, for sure. But it seemed like like Paul and, and, and James, they got radically saved. And again, even though Peter it changed in his life, again, he just, he just seemed like one of those guys who was raised in the church that was around it more often. The, the understanding that Peter has as we study his book here, I believe, just me personally, I believe his understanding is just a little deeper 
deeper than, than Paul and, and James. Only because Peter saw all of these things firsthand. He was there. He experienced it. He, there was no way that he could deny what he had saw with his, with, with, with his eyes and heard with his ears. There was no way. Not, not that, that Paul and, and James's experiences weren't real. They are. But Peter was there. Even though at times, <laughs> um, as he was experiencing Jesus before his rest, rest, restoration there, his understanding was not all that deep. Um, it was actually shallow, oftentimes. But as he grew, as he grew, the, the, the foundations that were set, even when he was walking with Jesus, became so much stronger. Because he remembered, he went back, he said, I remember that. I remember seeing that. I remember hearing that. I remember those changed lives and those miracles that happened because I saw them and I was there. And this is some of you. This is some of you today. You, you, you've been coming to church. You've been around Jesus, but you really don't have that total understanding in your life. And this is some of your kids. Some of your kids, because they're being grown up in the church, but they don't have that understanding in their lives right now. And I know that sometimes, as a parent, you want to push it on them, but it's just not clicking for them right now. My kids, who, who were amazing kids, did not really come to Christ. It did not really click for them until their latter years of high school, if not into after high school, into their college years. That's when it clicked for them for real. They were great kids. They had that understanding, but not like afterwards. And that's where some of your kids are. That's where you, you might be at today. You've been around it all for a while, but it hasn't clicked for you. And it may be that this was some of you because you were raised in the church. You were around the stories. You understood what was being said, but it really didn't click for you until sometime later. And now when, when you hear certain things from, from Scripture or you read certain things, it just makes even more sense. Because it was foundational back then. There was something back there that you remember. Your understanding, man, it's, 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 it's all new. It's stronger than ever. We, we, we see that happening in Peter's letters here. When, when he is talking about something, he, he's referring to something or he seems to re, be referring to something that happened while he was with Jesus. He, he kind of goes back and he's like, I remember that. As he's sharing it, and, and you see it coming out in his letters with more passion, more conviction. You know, when, when he wasn't, <laughs> I mean, he was walking with Jesus, but he didn't have that understanding. It wasn't quite there yet. Sometimes he acted like he understood. <laughs> but he really didn't. He just went along with it. He was totally off, but it hadn't become reality to him yet. But those things, when Jesus became reality to him, they were so foundational. And so he, he speaks in his letters with conviction and passion. 1 Peter chapter 1, 
Beginning in verse 1, and we'll cover from 3 to, to 9 this morning. Verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims who are dis, um, dispersed of the dispersed, dispense of oh, Jesus. Dispersion. Sorry about that. To the pilgrims of the dispersion of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Holy Spirit of obedi- for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this we greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved with various trials, that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory for the revelation at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with, ex- with joy ex- inexpressible and full of glory, reserved, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. We, we, we know that Peter here is writing to what is known as the, the northeastern part of modern-day Turkey, Asia Minor. He, that, that, that's where he was sent to go and minister on that area of that place, of that region. Whereas Paul, the Apostle Paul, was forbidden to go up there by the Holy Spirit, God sent him more to, to the west and the southwest of, of that area of the world to go and preach there to where he would be preaching and sharing more to the Gentiles whereas Peter was writing more to the Christian Jews and some Gentiles as well there was a mixture there and that's this letter that's it's written to them and he says in verse 3 blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. As Peter finishes up sharing and contemplating the grace and the peace that comes from God, that, that it was multiplied in his life, and he is praying that and offering that to those who are reading this letter. He says, grace and peace be multiplied to you. Peter understood that. He understood the grace that was multiplied to him. He understood the peace that he had in his life because of all that that Jesus had offered to him. It was multiplied more than he could ever imagine. And he says, that's what I want for you. And as he's saying that, as he's contemplating those things, it almost causes him to to praise God, to, to, to worship Him. 
This portion here that, that, that we're looking at, especially verse 3, in, in some Christian circles or in Christian circles, it would be called a doxology, which is an expression of praise to God, especially in, in short hymns that are sung as part of a Christian worship service. If you've ever been around Pastor Chuck, I've heard, you know, heard him at, at a conference or at, at his church. Uh, when I was at Calvary Downey with Pastor Jeff, they would break out in a dox, doxology little song. And, and, and you could hear the, you know, especially Pastor Chuck, the praise God from whom all blessed. I, I should sing the whole thing, but I won't. Um, <laughs> but that, that would be a doxology that, that, that they would just sing even, even before or afterwards. They would just bust out in, in, in some praise and some worship. And oftentimes when we see the word blessed, it means happy. When we see the word blessed that means happy, it is usually towards man. We see that in the Sermon on the Mount. When it talks about, oh how blessed, or, or blessed is the man. It means, oh how happy is the man. But the word blessed here is towards God. And it means praise. The Greek word here is eulogitos, or eulogitos, which means eulogy. It means to speak well of, to adore, or to praise. And that's the word that he is using here. As he is talking about the grace and the peace, he begins to eulogize. You googly eyes. You you, you eulogize. I know I should just simplify it. (laughs) He begins to, to, to speak well of, to adore and to praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the author and finisher of our faith the source of any and all hope. For without Him, we have none of those things. We have no hope. Who else, what else can give us hope? What else can give us or or be worthy of that kind of praise and honor if they cannot offer you hope? If they can't offer this, this living hope that we're going to be looking at? What else is worthy of that? in your life. As he says, blessed praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy, His his unboundless mercy, His great mercy, Peter is referring to, to His unmerited favor for you, for me. For, for, for those who are, who are sinners, He's offering something that, that we don't deserve at all. The Bible tells us that while we were still sinners, dead in our trespasses and sins, He made us alive. He offered that mercy. We didn't deserve it, but He gave it to us. He has given us a new birth. He says here, we, He has begotten us again, which means born again, to be born again. so that we can have and we can experience a living hope. A living hope. Faith is a moral conviction or persuasion 
of a belief or religious truth an assurance of what we believe. Hope is, that, is, is the expectation, the anticipation of that faith that it will happen. To have that hope that, that, that it will come to pass. What we believe in, it will. That's the kind of hope that we need to have. It is a living hope because it is grounded in, in the living Word of God. And it is made possible by the living Son of God who rose from the dead. And that's what makes all the difference in the world, that He rose from the dead. Because if we had a dead Savior, we would have a dead hope. Now, does that sound exciting to you? Would you be thrilled about a dead hope in your life? <laughs> what kind of hope is that? That's no hope. That it would be dead. <laughs> we have a living Savior. We have the living Word. So He gives us a living hope. <laughs> That's what makes all the difference in the world. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it has now been birthed in us to have a living hope, not a dead one. A hope that you can get excited for. <laughs> like Peter, we have been begotten again. We have been born again into a living hope. The same Spirit that came into Peter on the day of Pentecost is the same Spirit that is still alive today that is offered to you, and if you've received it, it lives within you. The same Spirit, it has not changed. Not one bit. When we think about that, it should like, we should get excited, right? You got that same living hope. Well, at least I got that. <laughs> Instead of like, yeah! It's like, I'll take, I'll take a sneeze. It is a living hope that, that is an expectation of an inheritance. This living hope that we have. That inheritance is our salvation, which is eternal life. Now, this inheritance is beyond the reach of change. It never changes, this inheritance. It cannot decay. It is imperishable, unsullied, and unfading. And it is reserved in heaven for you. Can you even comprehend that? That it is reserved in heaven for you, personally. He reserves it. He says, this one's for so-and-so. This one's for Zeke. This one's for... And he's just like, it's reserved. It cannot change. I, I don't know what kind of expectations and hopes that you have in your life right now. And they're not bad to have, some expectations, some hopes here on this earth. But most of our expectations, most of our hopes that are here on this earth change. They do. They get old. 
they wear out and they just kind of fade. It happens in, in everything that is temporal, in relationships. As much as I love my wife and we've been together for so long and I hope that we have another 33 years, guess what? It's temporary. She's going to die or I'm going to die. You understand that? Even our, our relationships, they change because they don't live on forever. Not here. <laughs> Not the way we have them here. So every one of our relationships that we are in will change. It will die out. The homes that we have, you know, many of us work so hard to get a home and, and, and they're nice to have, aren't they? And, and, and when we're moving into a home or, home or we're getting it built, we're just so excited. We have expectations for it. And after being in there for 20-some years, you're going, gosh, all these repairs. Oh, my gosh, because as much as you want to keep them up, man, they just wear out. That car that was so amazing, you're looking at it, it's so shiny, and oh, yes. And then you live on a dirt road, and then it's like, <laughs> really? <laughs> Things are falling off of it, and you're going like, oh, man. And you want a new one because that next model came out. And then you drive it down your dirt road again. Those jobs that we were like so anticipating and we get, and after a while you're just so tired. And they're good to have all those things, but they wear out. They change everything. I'm not saying that we should not maintain these things. Work on them and repair them. But that's just it. Any expectation, any hope that you might have changes. It gets old. It wears out. It fades. A while back, I was in Home Depot and I was uh, looking at a, a patio setup, how they had there. It looked amazing. And I'm looking at it going, man, that would be awesome. And I think, oh, how would it look in another 10 years? It's not going to look this awesome. Ah, forget it. Go walk on. It's like, I don't even want you to attempt it, you know, because it's like pretty soon that's just going to tweak and it's going to, it's like weeds. And... I, I have a swing set at my house that I built years ago when my kids were little. And I built this thing, painted it all up, got the swings, got all that stuff. And as the kids grew up, got older, they weren't playing on it, you know, just discoloring and, and the, the boards are tweaking and they're just like, oh, like, and it's like, uh, and I'm thinking, I should tear that down. And then the grandkids come, so now it's in the process of being restored. Um, <laughs> but again, everything that we have, it just kind of wears out, kind of. It just kind of dies out. Our hopes, our expectation, or our hope, our expectation, and our inheritance in Christ does not have the ability to change. It is incapable of changing. It cannot possibly change. It stays the same all the time. It never wears out. It never fades away. And get this. It's totally on reserve kept for you. It's, it, it's still there. Brand spanking new. <laughs> The day that you said, I want that, he says, man, this one's yours. This expectation that you have, this hope, it's guarded for you. It's kept for you. Because 
Jesus resurrected from the dead, this living hope cannot die away. It cannot. It will not. Ever. Now, now understand, I'm not talking about your relationship with Jesus here. Not here on earth. Because that relationship here on earth should be ever-growing. You should be ever-maturing in that kind of relationship. Changing, yes, to the better. <laughs> but I'm talking about what's, what's waiting for us in glory. That never changes. It doesn't have that ability to change. He never changes. The living hope that is on reserve in heaven is indestructible as the Word of God. And God holds His Word above His name. It will not be destroyed, not one bit. It will never leave us disappointed this hope that we have. It is kept. It is guarded. It is secured. It is garrisoned forever. Just like our salvation that is mentioned in verse 5. It's, it's secure. That word kept in verse 5, it's a military term that means guarded and shielded. Garrisoned with a garrison of soldiers, a fortified post, a company of soldiers. Every one of ours is like that. That's how secure it is. Each one's salvation, each person's salvation is guarded like that. To make sure that you will make it to heaven safely. Doesn't change. And guess what? None of that depends on you and me. It is kept by the power of God. That's what it's telling us here. Who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. We are not just kept by the power of God, but we have been saved by the power of God. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is a power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, to the Jew first and, to the, and also to the Greek. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Man, oh man. We are kept by the power of God because our belief in Him for salvation. Just because we believed, it is kept secure for us. If anything that's done on our part is just that we believe, that's it. We received it, we accepted it, and it's kept for us. <laughs> this should change our life. You see, because it changed Peter's life drastically. This should, change, this should just rock our world. To understand that the salvation that you have received so freely is kept for you. So that when you die, you make it to heaven just secure. It's not going to change. It's not going to get there. It's like, oh, geez, I kind of messed up on that one. It's kind of shabby right now. No, it's not shabby. Not at all. It's reserved for you. He says, blessed, 
Praise, honor, and glory be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope. All because of the resurrection. Isn't that amazing? How, how, how can we not thank Him for that? How, how, how can we not praise Him for that? How can we not just bless Him just because, because of that? How do we not honor Him? You know, with everything that happens in our lives, no matter what happened, what happened before, what's happening today, what's ha- happening tomorrow, we should still praise Him for that, for the, that hope, that salvation that He's given to us. We should honor Him and glorify Him. We should be kicking up our heels. No, I won't. But, but we should. We should get like excited and, and, and kick our heels up. You know, it's like, yes, that is for me. <laughs> You're saying, well, I'll do it later. <laughs> Look at what he says in verse, verses 6 through 9. In this we greatly rejoice. Though for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved with various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom, having not seen, you love, though now... You do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. The living hope. The living hope that we have should result in and produce joy today. That's what it should be doing in our lives today. We should be exceedingly glad for what He is doing and what He has done in our life and on our behalf. I I know some of you guys are not like the type that will kick your heels up and say, Woohoo! I just can't help it sometimes to kind of get excited about that. Because sometimes in our lives, because here he says, in this we greatly rejoice. Even though we're going to go through some various trials, we can still rejoice. We can still get excited. And you're going, but you don't understand. It's like, I totally understand. You don't think I go through trials? You don't think Peter went through trials? This guy jacked things up all the time. He messed it up all the time. He went through trials. He, 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 even after he was restored, he still messed up. But he greatly rejoiced. For him to say, but I greatly rejoice. We should greatly rejoice. Because he understood. He understood this glory. He's seen it. (laughs) He saw it. Whatever the word is. If he has secured our salvation, if he is mighty to save, is he mighty enough to get you through this life? Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't know what you're going through today. But He could get you through it. I know that. Because He is mighty to save. He is mighty to save. (laughs) All mankind, if they come to Him. 
Is He mighty enough to get you through what you're going through today? Absolutely. Not just, we're not to just rejoice when things are going amazing in our life. Although we do, and, I, and we should. But can we rejoice in and through various trials that grieve us? That, that the word various trials means colorful trials. <laughs> Those who come in all shapes and sizes. Fat ones, little ones, skinny ones, all, all, all those different types of, of trials from the smallest to the biggest. They're various trials and they grieve us. And yet Peter is saying, but man, let us greatly rejoice in this. Like we learned in the book of, of James. When James says, count it or consider it all joy when you fall into various trials. He, he, he's talking about the attitude that we should have when we are in the trial. We're not to like, oh, thank you, Lord, for this trial. It's like once you're in it, how are you reacting in the trial? We, 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 we shouldn't be praying, Lord, give me another one. No, they, they come automatically. <laughs> we don't need to pray for trials. They just come. But what is your attitude in the trial? Are you able to rejoice in the trial that you're in today? Or are you moaning and groaning about it? Now again, it's like, well, it's pretty heavy. It's like, I understand that. But there's a living hope that we have. And, and, and if that's what you have to focus on, then that's what you focus on to have that joy today that you can rejoice. It's the attitude. It makes all the difference in the world. When we're able to praise God in the middle of the trial. He says, if need be. (laughs) That phrase, if need be, indicates that there are times that God knows that we need a trial. And you're going, I don't need no trials. It's like, yes, you do. We all need trials. God knows that. Because sometimes we need a trial. We need to go through it because we need to be disciplined by our God. Because He loves us enough. Because we are not in His will. We're we're doing everything but His will. And He disciplines us with trials. Other times, trials prepare us for spiritual growth. To grow us up to that next level that He wants to grow us up in. And so we have to go through trials. And sometimes He allows trials in our lives to prevent us from sinning. You're going, what? It's like because if you weren't in that trial and, and you know, clinging on to God, you'd be out doing something stupid. And you're going, oh. it keeps you sometimes from going off the deep end because you're going through something so heavy and you have nothing else but God to cling on to. And so He needs, or He knows what you need. <laughs> and He knows that we need to go through trials. But we can trust that God knows. And if He knows, then He knows how best to get us through them. And He knows how to use them for His glory and grow us up through them. Isn't that amazing? Don't pray for trials. They'll come. (laughs) They will come. It says that that the genuineness of your faith, the genuineness of your faith, which is much more precious than gold. I've said it before and I will continue to say it because I know it is true, not only in my life, but I know it it could be true in your life, that a faith that is not tested cannot be trusted. You you, you have to be tested. How How can you be trusted? How do you know if it's genuine faith if it's never been tested in your life? 
How do you know that? How do you know how precious it is if you haven't gone through something, if you haven't let it or been allowed to go through a fire, through a hard trial? How do you know if it's genuine or, or not? See, Peter is a man that speaks from experience here. <clears throat> he knew what it meant to fail in trials. When we see him in the book of Acts, there were many times that he was put to the test. And oftentimes, man, he just went through it and he became stronger. There was times that he's being tested, even by the Lord. And he said, not so, Lord. <laughs> I'm not going to do what you're telling me to do. It's like, Peter, knucklehead, pay attention. See, there's times that he, he failed even after he, he was restored and, and got filled with the Holy Spirit. But more often than not, man, he came out strong. He was put to the test. How, how can we really give God glory, honor, and, 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 and praise if our faith is not genuine? How can we do that? Because it really hasn't been tested. It hasn't been, it hasn't been purified. Think about the three young men in the book of Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. Think about them. If you know the story, they praised God and honored God before, after, before during, and after the fiery furnace. They, they, they were bowing down to God before, during, and after. In the middle of their trial, the, 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 the fiery furnace, it says that, 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 that Nebuchadnezzar looked inside there and there was three that they threw in and there was a fourth in there that looked like the Son of Man, the Son of God. Jesus came in the middle of the, the heat of the battle, the, the fiery pit, and He was there with them to see them through. They came out, they didn't even smell like smoke. Isn't that amazing? God is able to do stuff like that. Can He still do that today? Absolutely. He, 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 Peter here uses the, the illustration to, to, uh, of, a, of a goldsmith to, to, to kind of drive home this, this point, this truth. Because no goldsmith will, will deliberately waste the precious gold that he's going to put into the fire. He knows what it's going to do when he puts that gold in the fire. It's going to purify it. It's going to skim off all the impurities, all the things that are worthless and take them out. And those things in our lives that God needs to take out of our lives, unless we are going through a a trial, a fiery furnace, those things will not rise up and he can't scrape it away. And we need to be in the middle of that fire, in the middle of that furnace. It takes away all the cheap impurities not only in the gold, but in our lives. And the goldsmith, after it's all pure, he can, he can, he can make something beautiful out of it. And man, that's what Jesus is wanting to do in our lives. So man, these, these fiery trials that we need to go through to build our faith, well, they're necessary. It has been said that, that in, at that time, goldsmiths, they would put the, this precious metal in there and they would... They would continue to, to, to take off the dross there and, 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 until it was nice and, and bright to where they could see the reflection off of it. That's when they knew. It's like, yeah, that's when it's pure. And the same thing goes with us. That we go through these trials until Jesus is reflected off of us right there. Until Jesus is being seen in us and through us because of those trials. Gold is like the most precious metal around 
It has never been worth nothing. It has always been around and people have coveted it for so long. And it is so precious to them. And to know that our faith is even more precious than that. That's amazing. And that Jesus will not leave us in the fire not one second more than necessary. Not one second more. That's praiseworthy. That's, able, that, that's to say, glory to you, God. In the middle of it, in the middle of the heat. What we go through today prepares us for tomorrow. To grow us up. When, when we can see Jesus through our trials, when others can see Jesus reflected off of us through our trials, then we can glory in Him. Then we can praise and honor Him. So here in verses 8 and 9, as we close up, it's the climax of, 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 of making it all worthwhile of, of what he's, he's been saying. He says, though, you ha- though now you do not see Him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. It's not what we believe in, it's who we believe in. And I think the reason that it is so hard to to explain why we serve Jesus or why we worship Jesus or why we praise Him or honor Him and so on, it's because it's inexpressible, as it says here. The King James says it's, it's unspeakable. The Strong's Concordance says it's unutterable. <laughs> Words cannot describe it. Words are not adequate to explain because it's beyond words, this relationship, this love that we need to have for Him. The joy and glory that awaits us is even more than we can understand or express. But it is kept for us. And we will receive it when we finally get saved, when we finally leave this earth. Then it becomes a total reality. All the suffering will bring about glory, for there is no glory without suffering. Romans 8 18 and 19, it says, For I consider the suffer- that's, that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the Son of God. If you have that living hope this, this morning, and you know that, you already have it in your life, guys, rejoice. Be exceedingly glad. Kick your heels up and say, Woohoo! <laughs> Amen. <laughs> okay, I'll take that one. It's your salvation. It's your salvation. Be glad in that. And if you don't have that living hope this morning, if you know that today, then what is your hope? What is your hope in this morning if you don't have that kind of hope, that living hope? I could guarantee you whatever your hope is in, 
I can guarantee you it will leave you empty and disappointed. Jesus is the only hope. We're we're, going to sing a song right now. And in that song, as as we sing that song, I'm going to call you out. That if you're here this morning and you've been coming for a while and you really don't have that living hope. I just heard of someone first service. We've been here for months. <laughs> months. And just the other day they accepted Jesus. But they had been sitting here just like you are. I'm calling you out this morning. That, that while this song is being played, you will get up out of your seat and you'll come right here, down here, and I want to pray for you. And we'll stop the song midstream and we will pray. We're going to have the, worst, the, the prayer teams up here. And if you have any other prayer needs, go to them. But if you need Jesus this morning, then come on down to the front. And I just want to pray for you. So let's pray right now. And then as the song starts, if you're here this morning and you need to be up here, that God would pull you up here by His grace and His love and His mercy and that the enemy would not hold you back. Father in heaven, we thank you this morning, Lord God for that living hope that you've given to us, Lord Jesus. Father, for those, my brothers and sisters, who have already received that, Lord, I pray that, God, even today, you would get them excited, Lord God, no matter what they're going through today, that they would be excited, Lord God, that they have a living hope, that it is secured for them. But I pray this morning also, for those who may be sitting here, who have been coming for, for weeks and months, And yet, Lord God, they have a need. And Father, I pray that this morning they would receive that and they would be saved. And I just pray, Father, that there would be nothing that holds them back. Not themselves, not their friends, not anybody. That the enemy, that the chains would be broken and they would be released this morning. And so, Lord, we're praying that you would save because you are mighty to save, Lord. And we praise you for that. And we glory in you. And we, we thank you, Father. We honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. So if that's you, come on down. Up. I want to pray for you.